Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Today, we have Perry Marshall. So welcome to the show, man. It's good to be here. I'm glad we can talk today. It's going to be a rocking show. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, can you kick us off and tell us uh, who you are and what you do? So, uh, Perry Marshall, live in Chicago, got a family of six. My, I'm best known probably as the guy who wrote Definitive Guide to Google AdWords, which became Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords, which is over there behind me. It's the best-selling book on internet advertising. Also wrote Ultimate Guide to Facebook Ads. And then more recently, 80-20 sales and marketing. Um, I am I am the engineer who got fired from his job, actually laid off uh, when my wife was three months pregnant uh, and had to go fend for myself. So I ended up getting myself into sales. And uh, I had a friend named Frank who said, you know, Perry, uh, just like starting a new profession, you know, like that, you know, you don't just stick a pencil behind your ear and reinvent yourself like that. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think all those sales guys that come and see me are very smart. I should be able to do this. And well, that was a baptism of fire. Um, ramen noodles and credit card debt and pounding the pavement and trying to see people that didn't want to see me. So um, I had to figure out how to make marketing work. Um, and, uh, and so that's kind of a, a little background about me. Um, and, you know, I, boy, I've, I've coached or consulted or worked with an awful lot of startups and entrepreneurs and people in their entrepreneurial diapers all the way to, you know, hundred million dollar companies. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, well, I, I think I think there's some shortcuts that people need to know about. So that's why we're talking today. Okay, sounds very exciting. And before we dive into that, can you tell us a little bit more about your educational background, your corporate background, if you had a corporate background? Um, um, well, I, I got a degree in electrical engineering. Um, mm-hmm. And and I was working in acoustics when I got laid off of my engineering job. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, my corporate background, well, I, I mean, I've, I've worked for a a handful of big companies, but mostly, mostly I've lived in the small company world. Um, I think that small businesses are the lifeblood of everything. And all the big companies were small companies once upon a time, big companies is what happens. Well, as Ronald Reagan said, you know, if government gets in a way and, you know, lets people do what they want to do, small companies become big companies. So, mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So let's dive right into this, shall we? So what is your, okay. Your main passion is helping people do less and achieve more, right? That's yeah. basically your core. Okay, well, that's, yes. the, that's the subtitle of my book, 80-20 sales and marketing, the definitive guide to mm-hmm. working less and making more. And, and this book here, mm-hmm. uh, detox, declutter, dominate, how to excel by elimination. Uh, we crunched my entire business philosophy of 20 years into 36 pages. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 
you know, there are a lot of, you know, I, I was in Amway once upon the time. That was kind of where I cut my teeth. Um, and my experience is most entrepreneurs have done some sort of like business in a box, pre-packaged something or other. That's kind of where most of us cut our teeth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Amway had this eight step pattern and most, most like business success formulas are these very mechanical things or they're like, they're, they're mechanical things that are only specific to that business. And if you think that's the key to success, it's kind of funny, but it like five years later, 10 years later, like it doesn't even work anymore because the world changed. Or on the other hand, they give you these very overgeneralized things like think positive or, you know, or, you know, or, or see the best in people or, you know, some kind of thing like that which they are too general to really be of much use. And what we did with this book was we took seven specific things. Um, I think these are the most important and profitable things in business, mm -hmm. um, but they are also things that are, they'll still be true in 20 or 30 years. Uh, and so we're kind of straddling the line between the the eternal principle and the, the strategic, you know, what do you need to do today? And, mm -hmm. and so, um, and, and I think, you know, most people don't even really read anymore. I think most people rapidly skim and they just sort of, you know, take these little bites of things. And so we wanted to write a book that is so condensed and so concentrated and so laser focused that it's almost like this is your Bible for the next 20 years of what you do in business. Mm. Okay. I want you to go through that book and explain what you explain in that book, not in a hundred percent detail. So people still read the book, but tell us like a little brief overview. So the listeners can, can learn a little bit in this podcast. Well, so um, step one is use Renaissance time to gain discernment and clarity. And Renaissance time is my name for the part of your day at the, uh, that most people skip. Uh, most people, um, most people, here, here's how they, they, they wake up in the morning, they reach around, they pull a device into their bed and they start like, they start reacting to stuff, okay? And the addiction cycle begins again. And then, um, and so they're, they're drug into social media, news and emails and people like grabbing at you and pulling on your, pulling on your time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then everything is just reacting, reacting, reacting. Well, I say that is the worst way to start your day. Um, the best way to start your day um, is, is what I do and what I've, I, I tell thousands of people to do. And I, in fact, I have lots of customers who tell me they have completely transformed their life this way. And um, you roll out of bed, grab a quick shower, get a, get a cup of coffee and tea, and then you are to be alone with your thoughts for an absolute bare minimum of 10 minutes, mm. preferably 20 or 30 
and you're not texting, you're not emailing, you're not watching the news, you're not in the media, you are collecting your thoughts, being grateful, planning your day, meditating, praying, reading something inspirational. And, um, and usually what happens is when you wake up in the morning, you know, your subconscious mind, you've been dreaming, you've been processing things. And usually there's some really good stuff right at the surface, especially like after you get out of the shower, like what was the great idea that you had in the shower this morning? You write that thing down. Now, it doesn't mean you have to do it. it. doesn't mean you have to do anything about it right now, but you capture it or you had an insight or you thought of a book title because you were writing a book or you figured out like something, oh, well, why don't, hey, when you go have that client meeting, make sure you ask them about that, right? And, and these things will come to you. And that's because you're, you're freshly processing like this in the morning. And most people, what they do is, it's sort of like the, the cream rose to the top and they just skimmed it off and it went down the garbage disposal. That's what happens when you start your day by reacting. If you start your day by thinking, meditating, praying, being thankful, collecting, and, and I write, um, I'm not saying this is mandatory, but this, this is one of the best ways for most people is you get a notebook and you just start writing your thoughts and you compose yourself. That is the best way to start your day. And, um, and I think I, I've been doing that every day without fail for seven years. It is the best habit that I have ever cultivated. I've had a lot of people tell me that, you know, you cannot think other people's thoughts and your own thoughts at the same time. It's either theirs or yours, but you can't do both. Let me ask you something. Uh, what do you think that being reactive in the morning is worse than being proactive and just staying alone with your thoughts. You get, you guess people uh, get in the wrong mindset or they just, they get to distract them in the morning. What's the, what's the issue with that? Okay. So think of it like this. So you've got all that stuff out there you get all those inputs, right? Mm -hmm. Or you've got you putting outputs. Mm -hmm. The most important thing is what you put out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if, if you start your day by reacting, then that means other people run your life. Mm -hmm. Now, that might seemingly be appropriate if you're an employee. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I still think employees or anybody should start their day this way. I don't think this just applies to employees, but, mm -hmm. but if you're an entrepreneur, um, the most important thing is what you put out into the world and you need. So my, my recommendation is that you start reacting to people after you have done your most productive work for the day mm -hmm. that actually gets to step three mm -hmm. in, in the book. And by the way, all, all seven steps are actually right on the back cover. Okay. Earn $1,000 a day, at least one hour a day with 80-20 time. Now, if you look at your time, 
everybody makes a thousand dollars an hour for at least little tiny periods of time okay a lot of people you say make a thousand dollars an hour for an hour they're like uh how on earth would i do that um like a lot of people would do some simple math and they would go well my time i think my time's worth about 30 bucks an hour because i make sixty thousand dollars a year or well but it doesn't really work that way the way the way time really works is that most stuff you do is worth about ten dollars an hour and then some things you do are worth a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand dollars an hour for short periods of time so let's say let's say we're talking about a relatively low paid person like helen who is a receptionist at a dentist office and she gets paid $15 an hour and uh, you know, and she makes appointments and stuff. So the phone rings. Now, why is the phone ringing? Because the dental practice spent thousands of dollars on advertising and marketing, let's say. And so somebody, somebody clicked on an ad and the, the ad was 20 bucks a click. And, and now the person came on the website um, and, they, and they call on the phone. And Helen goes, uh, Wooddale Dental, can you hold please? And then she puts them on hold while she like finishes making some photocopies. And, and then she gets back two minutes later and she goes, hi, can, can I help you? And the person's already gone because she put them on hold. Or maybe she transferred them to the wrong person or you know, some crazy thing like that. Well, they were going to spend $15,000 and now they're spending zero. And she lost, so she lost $15,000 in two minutes. How many dollars per hour is that? Like her, her time is actually worth $100,000 an hour for about one or two minutes. Okay. And, and not only that, if, if their process of exactly what happens when one of these expensive opportunities shows up, it, it was expensive in terms of making the phone ring, right? How many phone calls are you going to get this month from new people who want to spend 15000 or 1500 or even 150 Like only a finite number, right? And so let's say your process for handling that isn't quite down, which it almost never is. Like, if you mystery shot most businesses, you're going to be appalled at what actually happens. Mm -hmm. And so the time you spend straightening that out is easily $1,000 an hour work. Okay. And, and if every time Helen answers the phone, the exact right thing always happens and they get transferred to the exact right person and they don't get put on hold and only the low value calls get put on hold, but the high value calls don't. That's incredibly valuable. And so like, we've only been talking for 10 minutes here, but your most valuable, your most valuable stuff. In fact, if, if you flip to page, we, have, we, we actually have a whole entire page about, and you'll see this is like a full color illustrated books with infographics. Mm -hmm. We have a whole table of, you know, these are $10 an hour tasks. These are $100 an hour tasks. These are $1,000 an hour tasks. And so when you, when you reorient yourself, 
what is the actual thousand dollar an hour work? And then you do the thousand dollar an hour work before you start answering emails and before you start reacting the world, then what happens is the reactive, the important stuff happens. And then the unimportant stuff can all be allowed to happen if it needs to happen, but big rocks first, like Stephen Covey used to say. Okay, well, it's very powerful. Yeah, so we skipped over step two. Uh, if you want to talk about that, we can. If you want to go straight to step four, uh, it's up to you. Let's talk, let's talk about step two. Step two mm -hmm. is make your business twice as profitable with 80-20 focus. So 80-20 mm -hmm. rule says that 20% of your time produces 80% of your wealth and 80% of your results. And 80% of your time only produces the other 20%. So mm -hmm. what it says is most people are automatically wasting 80% of their time. Mm -hmm. um, one of the first things that I tell my clients to do is delete the Facebook app off their phone or whatever social media apps you use. And most people are like, what? Yeah, well, if you live on Facebook, you're not making any money being on Facebook. So one of my books is Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising. And the fourth edition just came out. Mm -hmm. and, and here's literally what I say in the first chapter of, the, of my Facebook book. So this is the world's best-selling book on Facebook advertising. Mm -hmm. Delete the Facebook app from your phone because you, you are not, you're, you're not the guy eating in a restaurant. You're the chef. The Facebook app is for people who are consuming news and opinions and information and conversations and they're liking and tweeting and socializing and, and all that stuff. You don't make money doing that. You know, you know how you make money with Facebook? You advertise. And Facebook advertising is a $1,000 an hour activity if you know how to do it right. Most people don't know how to do it right, but if you know the 80-20 levers in Facebook, so like all over our book, there are all of these, okay, here's an 80-20 lever, here's an 80-20 lever. Probably almost every other chapter in the book has some reference to doing the top 20% activities that generate 80% of the results. Mm -hmm. And 80-20 is also recursive, which means there's an 80-20 inside every 80-20. So not only do the top to 20% of your activities produce 80% of the results, 20% of the 20% produces 80% of the 80%. Mm -hmm. So if you follow that through, it means 1% of your time generates half of your income. So if you, so there's what, 250 day work days a year especially if you're an entrepreneur or commission salesperson and you get paid only on results, you probably made half of your money last year in three days. Like I closed this deal. I got this thing straightened, this problem straightened out. I met, I met this very important person who opened a door for me. And, and those three days were worth more than the other 247 days put together. And when you start becoming aware of this, 
you start slashing all kinds of garbage out of your life, which is how to excel through elimination. That is how you do it. And so 80-20 applies to just about every column, number, spreadsheet in your entire business. It applies to your customers. It applies to your product line. It applies to your time management. It's absolutely everywhere. Mm. Okay, wow. And how do you determine what is worth your time and what is not worth your time? How do you determine the 20% from the 80%? Well, we, we have some charts in the book that, that go through. So for example, here, I'll, I'll read you, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you some examples. Mm-hmm. So like $10 an hour work, running errands, talking mm-hmm. to unqualified prospects, mm-hmm. any sort of cold calling or, or cold emailing, mm-hmm. um, doing social media the way most people do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, now let's, let's jump to $1,000 an hour. Planning and prioritizing your day is $1,000 an hour work. Negotiating with a qualified prospect or preparing to get to negotiate with a qualified prospect, mm-hmm. building a sales funnel, um, judging marketing tests and experiments, or figuring out what your next marketing experiment is, um, writing copy. Um, delegating complex tasks. Those are all $1,000 an hour tasks. Let me mm-hmm. tell you some $10,000 an hour tasks. Hiring good people. Okay. Like in whatever, like good companies with good employees have good processes for hiring top people. Like you don't hire top people by accident. Um, Improving your unique selling proposition. What do you do better than anybody else? And why should your customers give you the money instead of anybody and everybody else out there of all possible choices? Mm -hmm. Um, Subtracting complexity from the customer experience. That is $10,000 an hour work. In other words, it used to take 17 steps to get a dentist appointment and you reduced it down to six. That is $10,000 an hour work. And most people, most people have never sat down and made a list of, okay, let's go through every last little step that a person would have to do to make an appointment or come in or like, you know, whatever the task is. Mm -hmm. Um, when you cut customer complexity, the attraction fact, like if you, if you cut complexity in half, your attraction will multiply by four. Mm-hmm. And that, that's actually uh, step four, create an irresistible pro- uh, product that's a joy to use by simplifying. Mm-hmm. So a good example of a, let's use an ambitious example, just, just Tesla. Tesla has reduced auto, like they have reduced self-driving car to literally push a button, read a book while going down the expressway, don't have to touch the steering steering wheel, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, 
a self-driving car is very, very, very complicated, but not to a Tesla owner. It is to Tesla. So what Tesla has done is they've taken an incredibly difficult thing. They put it inside a box with a button, okay? Or Google. We all take Google for granted, but there's a white screen. You type anything you want in a little tiny space in the middle, and then it finds the world's information for you, and it makes it very easy. Now, that's not very new anymore, but it was incredibly new about 25 years ago. That's simplifying. Every successful business makes something much simpler. Um, and so and, and that is probably one of the highest value things that you ever do in business. How do I make it, how do I make it, make it simpler? Now, what, what a lot of people do is they, they try to make it simpler both for the customer and for themselves. Well, that's, that's not really the goal. It might be very complicated for you and you might need a thousand little elves in a warehouse to do all those little steps. And then I might take you three years to convert all those elves into computer programs and algorithms and assembly lines and robots and automation so that it's manageable. But, mm -hmm. but the first job is to just make it incredibly simple from the customer's point of view. Absolutely. We absolutely agree with that over here, Outdoors Unite. So yes. Yeah. So step five now. <laughs> um, step five is carve out the niche where you're the undisputed number one via star principle. Now, this, this, is, this is incredibly powerful and it's incredibly applicable everywhere. Now, the first, the first place I really saw the truth of this was when I started advertising on Google. So as most people know, Google has ads and you type plumber and you can bid on the word plumber and you can put an ad there. And what I discovered very early on was that the person with the best ad on Google wins. So you could have a hundred plumbers. And in fact, that's probably the case in not, at least in a lot of big cities is you literally may have a hundred plumbers bidding on plumber. Okay. But somebody is better than everybody else at getting that click, getting the person to call, booking the appointment, you know, charging for the, for the trip to the person's house and and they are number one in the market, okay? And, and so this is true on like a microscopic keyword. It's also true if you're Coca-Cola and you're going up against Pepsi and it's way beyond Google, it's in restaurants and like the whole entire world. In, in other words, this principle is true whether you're dealing with the biggest things in the world or just some tiny little niche market is, is this. You want to be number one in a growing market. You don't want to be in a shrinking market. You want to be in markets that's growing and you don't want to be number two, number three, number four, number five, because especially on the internet, being number three, number four, number five 
sucks. Number one, not only gets more customers easier, they also make more money with less effort than everybody else put together. So whatever you're going to do, you need to be number one at it. So this, this actually, this is a huge reason why tons of people aren't making money. Well, I'm a web designer. Well, you are the number one web designer in what? Are you the number one web designer in Lincoln, Nebraska? Or are you the number one web designer in, in high volume manufacturing? Are you the number one web designer in the plastic pellet industry? Or you are the number one web designer in a very particular WordPress plugin? Like, I don't care what it is. You could be the narrowest, tiniest little thing. Like when, when I hung out my shingle as a consultant, I was the number one marketing person for industrial networking, which is an impossibly razor thin, it's the tiniest little pond, but being a big fish in a little pond is so much better than being just another fish in a big pond. I can't mm. even tell you. Mm. And mo I, I am certain that most people listening, if I say to you, what are you the number, what market are you number one in better than anybody else in the whole world? They don't have an answer. Now, if, if you're the best taco stand in East LA and everybody in East LA knows it, you're going to have a good business. You're going to make money even if it's just tacos, but you have to pick something. And this is true, not only of your company as a whole, it's true of like whatever product that you're gonna want. So let's say you're, you're about to release a new product in two weeks. If you're not number one in a market, you need to carve off a slice of the market that nobody else has addressed and make yourself number one in that. Hmm. Okay, so maybe you sell used Porsches. You're a used Porsche dealership. And maybe there's nothing special about you, but maybe there's a market for pink Porsches. You know, maybe they're for Mary Kay ladies. I don't know. But if you're the number one dealer for pink Porsches, then you actually have a claim to fame. And they're probably like maybe only 10 people a year are buying a pink Porsche. Well, that might be enough to get you from mediocre to actually making a good living. And th that's really how, how you have to approach everything. And that means most people are selling stuff where they're number four, they're number five, and they're not actually even making any money selling that. Mm -hmm. They might be just keeping the lights on, they might be keeping the employees fed, but they're not putting any money in their own pocket. Your job is to put money in your pocket. Absolutely. And I want to ask you, do you think it's more important to focus on the marketing to differentiate yourself and get a competitive advantage? Or should you actually put in the work and get the skill set to deliver on the promises or become the number one in your market 
because you can focus on the marketing or the actual value of delivery. So what do you think is more important? Well, if you, if you are focusing on a part of the market where nobody else is meeting the need, mm. then if you can figure out how to meet the need, and I mean, you mm. have to be able to meet it, like mm. marketing something that you can't do is never ever something that I advocate. I mean, a lot of people do. A lot of people go, well, just to point yourself as the expert. Well, if you make yourself the expert on something that nobody else is selling, if you can deliver it, then by definition, you deserve to be selling it because there's a hungry market. So like um, Gary Halbert, uh, who died a quite a few years ago. He's a, he's a marketing genius. Mm -hmm. he, he said, what's the most important, if you were going to start a restaurant, what would be the most important thing? He would do this in seminars and people would yell all these answers and, and uh, you know, you got to have great hamburgers. You have to have great French fries. And he'd say, well, you're all wrong. He goes, the most important thing about a great restaurant is a starving crowd. If you have a starving crowd, you can have lousy hamburgers and you'll still make money, right? You, you could have learned how to, how to make a hamburger yesterday, as long as you can still make the hamburgers, then you're going to be okay. So the, the starving crowd is actually more important. Hmm. Okay. Wow. I like that answer. Yeah. So step six now. Uh, the, Build an impenetrable moat around your business. Now, I have helped tens of thousands of small businesses get off the ground, mm -hmm. um, literally. Uh, because, so I came, I, I started teaching Google ads when it was new. Mm -hmm. and, and Google kind of hit the hockey stick right when my book came out. And so I ended up being on the receiving end of here comes all of these people who have started all of these businesses. And it was this giant gold rush and the internet was being populated. You know, it was, it was a little bit like when the U.S. government was given 150, 60 acres to anybody that would farm it, you know, and just here come all these people in covered wagons and horses and muskets and, you know, you know, we're all doing all this stuff. And so I saw lots of businesses pop up, you know, out of nowhere, right? It was like these little cardboard shanty towns and all of a sudden, you know, hey, you know, I'm an affiliate and I'm selling this stuff. And then, and then I saw lots and lots of businesses get wiped out. I saw, you know, Google changes an algorithm or they ban a whole bunch, like an entire industry sometimes and everybody gets flattened. And so... I, I became very uninterested in just starting another business. Like, well, anybody can do that. I'm interested in businesses that last a long time. And that means that you have to have a moat around your castle. And so step six is build a moat. Well, there are traditional moats like your Ford Motor Company, it costs six billion dollars to build an automotive assembly line so the barrier to entry is six billion dollars and it just so happens there's a whole bunch of other companies that are willing to spend six billion dollars too like fiat and toyota and hyundai and honda 
and you know and everybody else right and those are what i call 20 20th century modes land and capital and labor and employees and machinery okay and they are modes like it is pretty hard to get into the car business i think we would all agree right but then there are 21st century modes and those are based on network effect and network effect is when Uber gets more drivers, which gets more riders, which lowers the wait time, which gets more drivers, which gets more riders, which lowers the wait time. And you have this virtuous circle. And 10 years later, it would be impossible to start a new Uber. And you'd be crazy even to just start a taxi company because they have, they have the drivers and they have the riders. Well, this is a characteristic of 21st century businesses. And so on page 29 of Detox Declutter Dominate, I've got a whole list of these. Uh, I'll give you a few of them. Mm -hmm. Reviews. Mm -hmm. If you have a taco stand in East LA and you have 300 Google reviews, good luck to the next taco stand who just started, who's got one, right? Your cost per click and your cost per customer acquisition is going to be dramatically lower with your 300 stars than somebody who's got one. And one of the, one of the businesses in this book, uh, Mark McShirley of Roof Simple, he, he's a roofing company in Washington, D.C., and they've got something like 250 Google reviews. Now, I want you to think about this. Oh, and 4.9 stars, which is a whole nother story. Now, how they how they got 4.9 stars was, was they made the customer experience simpler, which we just talked about, simplifying. Mm -hmm. But I want you to think about something. If you've got 4.9 stars, 250 reviews in Washington, DC, and you open up in Philadelphia, the first day you open in Philadelphia, you have 250 Google reviews. And the first day you open up in Philadelphia, your cost of advertising and customer acquisition is less than probably every other roofing company in Philadelphia, which means Mark is in a position to take over the entire country. Mm -hmm. it, that You see there's network effect just in reviews because reviews attract reviews. Mm -hmm. Now, he had to design the company to get five-star reviews. And most companies are going to get, most companies are designed to get three and a half stars. You know, because Jose doesn't show up on time and because the salesman is drunk and because, because, right? Okay, speed. If you can make the customer experience two times faster, you'll get four times more customers. And speed begets speed. If, if what gives you the speed is through a system that can be repeated, if it can be automated, then speed will get you more things, more customers, more product flow, more opportunities to create efficiency, which eventually will make it even faster. Okay, a um, couple other ones. Okay, first mover advantage. This goes back to being number one in a growing market. You wanna be the first taco stand in East LA. 
oh, East LA has 100,000 taco stands, then maybe you want to be the first um, the first uh, burrito bowl restaurant or the first, um, maybe, maybe you're the first Ethiopian restaurant, right? Be because the first, like the first Ethiopian in East LA owns a category and you want to own a category. It's back to being the big fish in the little pond. Mm -hmm. um, an another one, uh, let me tell you another uh, example of a guy who, who got, who built a huge moat around his business. His name is Michael Strickland. And uh, nine years ago, he came to us. He, he has a company called Ship a Car Direct, which says if, if you want to ship your car from Boston to, to Minneapolis, they'll send a truck to pick up your car and, and do that. And so he was just an affiliate when he started out. And there was all these affiliates and they were advertising on Google and and he was just in this mosh pit of affiliates. Mm -hmm. And and I said, all right, so Michael, we're going to make you the number one car guy. How are we going to do that? Well, I'll just quickly tell you two things that we did. The first thing that we did was we we came up with a guarantee. And the guarantee was if we ship your car and it's damaged, we will pay up to $500 of the deductible to fix it. Okay, now this, so think about this. This means he's got to make sure that it gets shipped well, instead of just hiring any in every other trucking company that, that shows up because there's a million trucking companies. So that means he's got he's got to vet the trucking companies and pay attention to their record and delete the bad ones and keep the good ones. Okay, so he starts doing this and then he starts getting Google reviews and online reviews. And because he was fulfilling the promise, the thing started growing and he started getting more and more and more information faster about which trucking companies were good and bad. So fast forward to now, he's got 5,000 reviews, 4.8 stars or something ridiculous like that. And he knows it doesn't matter where you're shipping a car or which set of trucking companies are a possibilities, whether, you know, from Minot, South Dakota to Albuquerque, he knows which trucking companies are good and bad and nobody else does. Okay, so while it appears to be easy to start a car shipping company, having a car shipping company that can do what he does as consistently as he does it is almost as impossible. And it's an incredibly valuable business that started out as an affiliate. Okay, that's what I mean by building a moat around your business. And the and can you see how everything I just told you, it's gonna be just as true in 20 years as it is today. And there's, there's so little business advice that's like this. So I submit to you, dear reader, this is the book that will tell you this is your plan, literally for the next 20 years. So you can read the whole thing in about a half an hour. Mm -hmm. But maybe you tear it apart and paste the pages to your wall, because you should be doing all of these seven steps. And we haven't had time to get into them all. But I think I've given you kind of a, a taste of what's in the book. 
Oh yeah, what you just told us is absolutely invaluable. Like it's amazing. Uh, can you go through step seven, or you said you don't have the time? Uh, really quickly, yeah. really quickly. I'll just mm -hmm. mention step seven. Mm -hmm. Step seven is enjoy the freedom to create, invent every single day. Mm -hmm. So I've got this customer named Bob McDemus. He sells thermal spray equipment. So like if you are making bridges out of steel, he makes the spray equipment that sprays a zinc coating on the steel girders so that they don't rust. And so he's, he's selling this complex technical stuff. And we did a, we did a bunch of 80, 20 on his business to figure out, Bob, this is, this is what you do. This is the highest paid part of your business. We got him doing more in that, the, more of that. And he started making more and more money. Most people would say, all right, Bob, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, work harder, work harder. My assessment of Bob was, you know, Bob's basically an engineer, but in another sense, he's really an artist. Mm -hmm. I said, Bob, you need to feed your inner artist. So like he just came back from some high-end installation that he just did where he troubleshooted all this stuff and he was on site for a couple of weeks and they, 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 he made a ton of money on this job. Bob is an amateur pilot and he loves airplanes and he's, he's got a, a little Cessna. I said, Bob, I want you to take a significant part of every week and I want you to fix up your Cessna. Like he, you know, he likes building stuff. In fact, he would be building an airplane except because of COVID, you can't get the airplane parts right now. And so, okay, so you can't buy an airplane, just like buy all the cool stuff to, you know, make your existing one better. I want you to feed your inner artist by working on your airplane. And when you get done doing that, when you go back to being the thermal spray guy, you will actually find that your creative juices, your resourcefulness, your ability to solve problems will be, it'd be like, man, like I walked into that conference room, I looked at their drawings, it, it was immediately obvious to them exactly what to do. We went in there and we fixed all the stuff and I walked out with, you know, like a, you know, a big feather in my cap because they just thought I was so awesome. That is step seven. And when you combine it with step one, so you start your day right with praying and meditating and, and getting yourself right. And then you feed your creative engine by doing stuff that you love instead of just working all the time. And why do you have the time? Because you used 80-20 to get rid of the bottom 20%. Mm -hmm. That is how you keep the cycle going around and around and around. Mm -hmm. And, and it is so counterintuitive. It's like, no, Bob, you'll, you'll make more money spending five or 10 hours a week working on your airplane mm -hmm. than you will doing five or 10 hours a week of extra busy work. Wow. 80, 20. Wow. I mean, I wish we had more time to go over, more specifics, but I know you got to go. I got another meeting soon, but um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And we really, really appreciate you coming here and sharing all this valuable information and guys, please go and check out his book, his, all his books, because he's a very genius guy, as you can probably tell. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. You can, you can get the book on Amazon in the U S it's about nine bucks. So it'd be the best nine bucks you ever spent. I agree.
declutter, dominate. I agree. All right. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. The Authors Unite show is sponsored by AuthorsUnite.com. Your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact. 